This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, I'm so excited for the times we live in. We're going to preach it today. It's going to be, it's going to be good, but the times we live in are the most exciting times. Let me just throw, throw a little uh, nugget or whatever you want to out here. You know, we do a Bible study online, had it the first of the month. We had an outline what we're studying for the whole month as a church together. At February, we're studying the book of Acts together online. The book of Acts is so powerful, it's so good. The book of Acts is actually the genesis of the New Testament. Genesis of the Old started how God started working with it at the beginning of everything. Well, at the beginning of our time called the church age is the book of Acts. That shows how it started. Oh, I, I, I got to get to my notes, got to get to my notes. Oh, I can't preach at all. But I want to tell you, that generation, the book of Acts, stood there. About 120 of them prayed in the move of God. As they stood there, they saw Jesus go up into heaven right before their eyes. But then, oh man, I'm getting goosebumps all over me and I don't live by goosebumps. An angel appeared. An angel stood there staring and said... That same Jesus is coming back the same way he left. We're that generation. They got to see him go. We're going to get to see him come. Multiple times Jesus said, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. And that angel told them. He said, why? As you look, read this in Acts chapter 2. He said, why are you standing there gazing up at Jesus? He said, get to work. Get busy. He's coming back. That's the time we live in. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll preach it we got today. All right. How many need a, a, a sermon outline? If you don't need one, hold up your hand. The usher's got one for you. Hold up your hand. Get a sermon outline. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe you might want to put a seatbelt on unless you want to jump up and shout. If you, you know, I, we don't really have any seatbelts, but if you... Probably somebody will be jumping and shouting today, so, you know, if you're not a jumper and shouter and gets on you, then unless you got a seatbelt on, you'll be running. <laughs> Amen. Got, got a book I want to advertise. Jose? Got, got a book I want to advertise out of the bookstore. In this season we're at, there's lots of new Christians in the church. Going to be lots of new Christians coming in the church. And this is called Welcome to God's Family. Welcome to God's Family. It's broken down into chapters about a new life in Christ. Explains what the new birth is, what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, and just all kinds of different things that Christians want to know about when they're new to the family. I know that for myself, uh, for me, I can shout today, today's my birthday, I'm 37 years old today. 37 years old today. And I see the puzzled faces. Well, you don't wear very well for 37. Well, the... The body I live in is actually 66 and a half years old. But on January 29th, 1980, today's January 29th, January 29th, 1980, in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, I gave my heart to Jesus. About 11 o'clock in the morning. And so right now it's going to 11 o'clock here, but they're three hours different. But anyway, this is a very exciting day for me. I celebrate today 37 years of no more losing living. I was a loser. 
I didn't know how to win. I was a loser in life. I lost at everything I touched. But I got born again, and I've had lots and lots and lots of opportunities the last 37 years to quit, to give up, to say it doesn't work. But you know what? I'm like Thomas Edison in the light bulb. Thomas Edison on the light bulb, I don't know how many thousands of times he kept on trying to get that light bulb right to where it would light up and stay lit. And somebody asked him one day, think after about 1,200 times, said, said, sir, why don't you give up? You're not going to get it. He said, oh, I found out so far there's 1,200 ways that don't work, but I'm going to find the right one. I found a lot of things that don't work over the years, but I found this out. If I don't quit, if I keep reading my Bible, if I keep praying to Jesus, if I keep going to church, if I keep doing what I know to do, some way, somehow, I'm going to come out on top of this situation. And I win that one. Then there's other challenges in life rise up. And so what I do the next time, I do the same thing I did the last time. I get on my knees. I pray. I open my Bible. I worship Jesus. I go to church. I treat people right. And I keep on doing it over and over again. So for 37 years, I found out I'm not a loser anymore. Amen. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so I've learned that secret. That's where I stay. And you mean you've never made mistakes? Oh, boy, have I made a lot of mistakes. You show me a man that doesn't make a mistake, I'll show you a man that's already dead. <laughs> Only dead men don't miss it. But you know what? Righteous men, men and women of faith, when they do miss, when they do miss it, when they make mistakes in life, they fall down. They don't stay down. They look up and say, Jesus, whoo, I blew that. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I need help, Lord. I can't do this on my own. They get up and go again. Amen. 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 Give the Lord another hand. And so it's revival time in America. I not only believe that, I know that. And anybody, anybody at all that's alive to God, has any kind of a prayer life at all, knows that there's something going on in the spirit right now. Across the world, but especially in America, there's things going on. And so I want you to look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I am so glad that I'm in a church that wants to do what God wants to do, wants to be on the front lines, wants to do great things, and not just be grandma's church. We have a lot of grandmas in the house. My wife is a grandma. But, you know, a lot, a lot of churches I knew when I was growing up, a lot of churches that were grandma's church wasn't doing much. They were just a good place for grandma, but there wasn't much for the family, a lot of things going on. And it was good to have grandma's church. We're not just a grandma's church. We're a family church. We're a fighting church. We're a loving church. We're an evangelistic church. We're a church that says, Jesus, we don't have to always do it this way. How are you doing it now, Jesus? What are you doing? The gospel, the word of God never changes. But we're doing something now that my grandma's church didn't do back in 1950. We got these overhead screens. We got all this media stuff. We got sound like we never had before. We got a lot of things, the internet. We got so many ways to do things now that grandma's church couldn't do. There's so many ways to reach out and do things. We never, ever, 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 ever change the word of God. The word of God says, get saved, get filled, get healed. Serve, go, tithe, love, bind, loose, name of Jesus. That hasn't changed in 2,000 years. 
But there's some things that have changed. That's the way we communicate, the way we do other things like that. And so, you know, I've seen how our president communicates with all the stuff he does now. Well, I've learned I do a lot of communication with this whole church all week long now that my pastor years ago couldn't do. I can get on my Twitter. I can get on my text. I can get on my emails and Facebook stuff. I communicate with a lot of people now all over the world just like that. Things have changed in the method world, but the word hasn't changed. Amen. Jesus wants people saved. Saved people go to heaven. Amen. Amen. If people aren't saved, they don't go to heaven. Real simple. We got a job to do, get people saved. And to get people saved, we got to stay saved. We got to stay saved. We got to stay serving. We got to stay living for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. Preach, Pastor. Preach. I am Jesus. I'm doing what I know to do. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. This is Peter's second sermon after the day of Pentecost. He preached one, got about 3,000 saved. And then here he is preaching again. In Acts chapter 3, in the middle of his sermon, he says this. Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. This is talking about revival. This is talking about revival. In answer to prayers by a multitude of believers across America, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse thirteen and fourteen, God says, "If He shuts off, if He shuts off the rain, and if disasters start happening in the land, He says, if My people, which are called by My name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, He said, then I'll hear from heaven. He said, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal the land. America." has been given a chance to get it right again. There are some things that have changed in the spirit in America. Christians have a breath of fresh air from God on them right now. The church has a breath of fresh air. That's called revival. Prayers have been answered for the American church. And let me tell you what revival is. Does anybody here a paramedic or... Doctors, nurses, anything like that. Anybody ever know how to? Anybody been through CPR stuff? What happens if somebody's about dead, has died or something, and you get them back? That's called what? Reviving them. You revive them. The church in America, Christians in America, were very much out of it. I was thinking about when I got born again in 1980. At that point in time, there was a wave of revival coming through America called the Charismatic Movement. At that point in time... There were churches popping up everywhere, little storefront churches, warehouse churches. That's when Dr. Cho come on the scene, Kim. That's back in those days when he really got big back in Korea, and that move come across to America. But churches got serious about prayer, about God, about getting people saved, about going to church. All across the land, churches were having what we call revivals. There were churches having services last two or three months, some of them. My church back in Indiana... Uh, we, we had service at one time for 63 days straight. People driving through our town stopped and walked through the doors of our church and got slain in the Spirit walking through the doors. God healed walking through the doors. Just come walking through, miracles happened. Lots of things happened because the Spirit of God revived the church and things were happening across the land. This is what I'm telling you today is going on. This is a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. God is reviving the American church today. The American church is really out of it. Back 
Oh boy, it's been 17 years ago now. God gave me a vision one day, an open vision. And in the vision, I saw this little, this little, really pretty little table. It's a little mahogany table. And uh, anyway, I saw a Bible on it. And the Bible's pages were fluttering. And I saw a candle beside it. And the candle's wick was just like that, real low. And then I saw the face of God blowing on it. I saw God's face blowing, causing those pages to flutter, causing that candle to flicker. And God said this to me, said, America's candle just about went out, but I'm blowing my breath of revival on it. It's taken this many years for me to see that come to pass. Now, that was back in 2000, the fall of 2000. He said, I'm blowing my breath of revival on the American church. said, its candle just about went out. And so, praise God. I know that for me in my prayer closet, I've been on my knees for some time now. And I know the last few days, especially as I see what God's doing, I've said, Lord, for this time period we have, me and my family and my church will do everything we can. We will do everything we can to be in on this. We know that right now, I know for me, after seeing a lot of very, very, very spiritually dead years in America, I mean spiritually dead. In America, I've seen what happened through the devil and secularists that there was freedom of every religion except the Christian religion in America. They can teach anything in the schools they wanted to about religion, just not about our God and Jesus. They can pray anywhere they wanted to to any God, except don't pray to the God of Jesus across America. That's happened. But now that door's opened again, where people are starting to be allowed to talk about Jesus in schools again. People are starting to be allowed to gather in public places in the name of Jesus again. Prayers have been answered. The doors are open. The church that was almost dead is starting to stand up again. We're starting to be revived again. And I want to tell you, all the praying we did for the last few years for God to move in America have been answered. But if we don't keep doing what we did to get the answers, we'll lose it again. And I honestly don't know if we'll ever get it back again. Because God's moving now. And if we'll stay with the move, our nation can start rising up again to be a Christian nation again. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. And so God is sending spiritual revival Across America. God sent a revival across America. America, that was about dead spiritually, is once again being revived. The breath of God is breathing on you and breathing on me. And I want you to notice verse 20 and 21. It says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive. Now look at this. Until the times of restitution or the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. That's the prophets, the prophecies in the Old Testament, which God spoke until the restitution, restoration of all things that God spoke by the mouth of the prophets since the world began. And so I want to look at one of those prophets in Haggai. And I'm so glad we got stuff because up on the big screen because that's a harbor to find in the Bible unless you look at the table of contents usually. But Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, in case you're going through your Bible to find it, I'm going to give you just a minute to find it so you can look at it with your own eyes in your Bible. But this is one of God's holy prophets. And Peter, talking about the prophets, said that Jesus is going to be in heaven until things have been restored down here on earth where God wants them. Until things have been restored, that God spoke through the mouths of the prophets. 
Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, that's the Lord of battles, this is a prophet talking, Yet once is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Somebody say glory. God said, I'll fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. Las Vegas, you're going to let loose of some things. They're coming back to the church that belongs to God. Amen. Drug dealers. Thugs. Let loose of God's money. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking out there to the world. God said he wants things to come back to his people. He said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, this passage right here, there's a Bible law, Bible, law of Bible interpretation called the law of double reference. And so for you people who like to get a little deeper to understand how to understand the Bible, the law of double reference many times in the Old Testament, Jesus is talking to Israel and it applies to them, but he's also talked to the church and applies to us at our time. And so at this point in time in Haggai, the temple of God, where the priests came, people came to do their offerings and all the different things they did in the temple, people got lazy and lax and backed off and the temple was falling apart. It was a disarray. You read the start of this book, things were happening. And so God was talking about, I want my temple restored. I want it back. I want to fill it with glory. And the glory was two things. That was with wealth. Because how many know that Solomon's temple and the wealth there was awesome? So wealthy that people of all the world, kings came just to see how much wealth there was in God's house. Amen. And so God said, I'm going to fill it with glory, I'm going to fill it with wealth. But also, I'm going to fill it with my glory, with my spirit. Okay. How many know that today, like in a building like this, when we leave this building... If you know the Bible, God leaves this building because God doesn't live in this building. God lives in these buildings, us. He said, our body is called the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so God said in the law of double reference, he said to the Jews, he said, I want this place rebuilt. I want to fill it again. But then in our lives, he said, I want you restored. I want to fill you again. I want to fill you with glory. And then at the same time. At the same time, because God does want some place that holds his name like a Christian church in America, he doesn't want it dilapidated, he doesn't want it tore down, he wants churches looking good too. And so God wants Christians looking good, filled up, living right, being full of the Holy Spirit, helping people by the anointing. At the same time, he wants his house looking right too. He wants it filled with glory. He wants it filled with anointing. And God's house... Can it be filled with anointing when his people come in to worship are filled with anointing? So we as believers in this time of revival, this is not the time it used to be. How many ever read the story in Luke chapter 5? Peter and his men said, we've been out fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, times have changed, Peter, go again. And so Peter went out again. And said his partners, two more boats went out, so three boats went out. So there's three boats went out to fish, and they fished all night already, didn't even catch one fish. But Jesus said, 
It's changed now. Go back. They went back and said they caught so many fish, their boats begin to sink. Because times changed. Christians, we have done a lot of fishing for a long time and didn't catch much. This is a time of revival. This is a time of evangelism. We're going to be going out again, and we're going to catch much now because times have changed. And you know what gets me about this? When Peter came back with all those fish, and he knew that he'd already been out there fishing. He's a professional fisherman. He wanted somebody went fishing every four or five years with a little pole. He had a ship. That was his life. And I think about some of you Christian business people in here. God's getting ready to bless your businesses like you've never been blessed in your existence. But when Peter saw how he got blessed, says he got on his knees in front of Jesus, and he said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a wicked, simple man. He was so scared at the move of God, the blessing, that he thought, wow, I don't deserve this. And Jesus said, come on, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisherman now. And so it says, Peter then left his boat, he left his tools, and he followed Jesus full time. Amen, amen, amen. And so that was just what he told Peter to do. And so I'll say this for you. For the blessings that God's putting on you, unless God tells you to leave your boat and become a full-time minister, you just follow him and be a full-time Christian. I want to say it one more time, in case you didn't catch it. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Well, he made him a preacher. Well, I want to say this. You follow him and he will make you what he wants you to be for him. Amen. I tell you what, God's talking to people this morning. God is talking to people this morning. You've got to get this. Get out of your stupid head and get into your heart. What's your stupid head do? Your stupid head tells you, well, nothing's really changed. Why should I do any different? Listen to your heart. Your heart said, things have changed. The preacher's telling the truth. Things have changed. I know in my heart something's different. I know I've got to do different. I know I've got to get serious. I know I've got to go for it. Things have changed. And I'll tell you what, if you develop that attitude to listen to your heart, not your head, your life's going to be like it's never been before. Amen. So he said, he said, the glory of the latter or the former, he said, it's nothing compared to the new where we are now. I said, I'm going to fill this house with glory. And so Peter said, listen to the prophets said until the time of restoration. So God is restoring. Now, listen to this. The power, the authority, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of evangelism, even greater than recorded in the book of Acts, because he said so. He said so. He said, I'm going to fill this house with greater glory. He said, I'm going to fill this house with greater glory. You know, some, some people here have been around as long as I have or some of the other younger people in the congregation. How many older Christians can remember years ago when all the gifts of the Spirit were operating all the time? Anybody here been around that long? Amen. How many remember when houses were filled with power? I'm talking about God's house, filled with power, filled with glory. How, can, how many can remember when altars like this weren't big enough for the people? Because so many people came in weeping and crying repenting, getting right with God. And they said, I want to serve God. How many remember when God was not only using preachers, but God was using believers to do miracles? He said, Peter said, listen to the prophets. And this particular prophet said, I'm going to fill 
this latter house, which is our tithe, with greater glory than before. So what we saw in the book of Acts, that's why we're leading into February, studying the book of Acts in our Bible study. You read the book of Acts, and you start reading the book of Acts. Remember this. Man put the title of the Acts of the Apostles, but in the book of Acts, the apostles did do things, but so did believers. The book of Acts should have been called the Acts Actions of Holy Ghost Believers. Some of them were preachers, but most of them were believers. And so you, now listen, I'm going to tell you something that I want you to do, and I know it will change your life. When you read the book of Acts, there's three keys to the book of Acts I want you to note. I've been studying it again, and I'm seeing it again. Three keys to why things happen in the book of Acts. Number one, the believers were very bold to speak the name of Jesus. They were very bold. They were very bold to use the name of Jesus. Everything they did, it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Number two, in the book of Acts, the believers got filled with the Holy Ghost and they prayed in tongues. Read the book of Acts with an open mind. And then number three, they were very bold to quote the Bible all through the book of Acts. They always preached and they always talked what the Word of God said. The name... The Word and the Spirit. And so when you study the book of Acts, every time you see whether it's an apostle or whether it's a believer that God's using, you put yourself in that person's shoes. You say, God could use me in the name of Jesus to lay hands on the blind. God could use me to speak to the crippled in Jesus' name. God could use me to speak to those in authority in the name of Jesus. Tell them to get right or you'll be like old King Herod. Anybody remember the King Herod story? King Herod was mocking Christians. He'd had James, the brother of John's head cut off for being a Christian. And then he acted like he was some great politician orator. He got out there making great polished speeches and said the people looked at him like he was some kind of a god. He said the angel of the Lord smote him. And then he was eaten with worms. Amen. I'm telling you the times we're living in there are going to be some people think they're hot shots. There are going to be some angels of the Lord doing some smoking. Amen. I never saw yet the smoking passed away. Somebody said, well, boy, oh boy, oh boy, what kind of a place is this? Well, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the times we live in. Jesus is tired of his church being mocked. Jesus is tired of people in the country that his spirit led men and women to give their lives for over a couple hundred years ago to pioneer to have a Christian nation. He wants his nation back. He wants Christianity back. That's what he's doing. Amen. So he's going to restore all these things even greater than we recorded in the book of Acts. And this is where we are in God's timetable. We're at God's timetable now. We're at a time of restoration before Jesus comes back. Now I'm going to look at Luke chapter 14. Verse 15 to 23. And this here's a chapter on evangelism. And let me tell you the difference between revival and evangelism. Revival, God's bringing back to life something that was once full of life. Evangelism is those that have been revived taking life to those that have never lived. Revival 
is those that are alive taking life to those that have never lived. At 28 and a half years old, 37 years ago, I got born again. I did not have eternal life in my spirit until I asked Jesus at 28 and a half years old. God got eternal life to me because of things I heard that God was doing in the earth back then. And so I'm telling you right now, we are being revived so we can evangelize. You have addicts and perverts and gangsters in your families. You're praying the wrong prayers right now, probably. God wants them saved. You get them saved, and they get a new heart. Gangster leaves. Thug leaves. Addictions leave. Pervert, this is a word, pervertism. Perversion, that's a good one. They ought to put that one in, they ought to put that one in the dictionary. Perversion leaves. See, people that aren't born again, the Bible says, are being held captive by Satan to do Satan's will. And so, I want to say it again. Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, go out again. It's time to start talking to them again. It's time to tell them again. They wouldn't listen last year. We're not living in last year. We're living in this year. There's a spirit going across America right now called the Holy Spirit. That's called the presence of the Lord. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, in times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is coming across the land. I heard our new president say the other day that our CIA director, he said these words on that stuff, he said our CIA director, our president said is a very serious born-again Christian. I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, how could a CIA director be a born-again Christian? Well, if a born-again Christian is called to God to do things, I would rather have a born-again Christian tell the Holy Spirit, show him how to lead our nation in covert operations than have a sinner try to figure out how to do it. Amen. Amen. And so, and so, and so, that's the Spirit of God moving across the land, putting born-againers in positions of authority to help our nation get where it belongs. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so this story of evangelism, Jesus tells us, listen to this. Luke 14, verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat and food with him heard these things, said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Do you know that there's a time coming that all the believers, well, that's going to be a big table or tables, however it is, I don't know. In heaven, there's a time coming where we're going to sit at the, at the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. And God is going to celebrate with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus leading the tables. And so he said, there's a time coming. Then said he unto him, and this is Jesus then telling a parable of what it's going to be like, but tell down here on earth what we're supposed to do to get ready for it. He said this, a certain man made a great supper and bade many or invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden or invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Get a picture of this. This is Jesus telling us, invite them. Things are ready in the Father's house. Things are ready in heaven. And they, they, they all, with one consent, begin to make excuse. 
Now listen to this. If this is talking to you, just get right with God and get busy. They made an excuse. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see if I pray. I see it. I pray they have me excused. And so he said that was a person that said, my real estate and my business deal is things I'm doing are more important than getting ready. And then look at this. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them or test them. I pray they have me excuse. That's the other said, hey, I just bought a new car. I bought some new cars. Give me time to enjoy my new car. Let me test my stuff out. I got some good stuff, Jesus. And then another said, I married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so the guy said, hey, man, I'm on my honeymoon. I've seen some people on their honeymoon for 15 years. And they don't go to church because they're on their honeymoon. I've been married 37 years. And my honey and I spent our honeymoon at a revival for a week. And we've been, been revived and in church ever since then. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, these times, said, there's a great supper ready. And so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly. These other people said, we're too busy to come. He said, you go out quickly, because my father's house is ready. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor. God wants to bring the poor to church. He doesn't want them to stay poor. He wants to get them in to learn how not to be poor. How to see that Jesus delivered them from poor. But people that already have something need to go get the ones that have nothing and get them in. The poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. I want to tell you something. One of the greatest things that Jesus loves to do next to get to salvation, born again to people, is to get them healed. He said, bring the sick people in. Go out and bring the sick people in. Don't say that I've got all my gadgets to play with. Oh, I'm in love, Jesus. I'm in love, but just not with you. I'm in love with other people and other things. I can't do it. He said, no. He said, you go out and get them. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said, look at this. The guy said, I went and told everybody to come come. He still got room. The Lord said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Jesus wants his people to get excited about evangelism. Go out and look for people that were just like Bernie Samples was. A lost sinner, messed up in life. Back in the 1960s and 70s, in 1979, the Spirit of God started getting a hold of his heart. And, you know, it's so, I look back at it so sad, because we probably all thought the way Christians thought about me. A sinner truck driver is the one that led me to the Lord. A sinner. How did that happen? Well, I found out later the Christians in my life thought I was so mean, they was afraid of me, wouldn't talk to me. Well, back in those days, I did have an afro, a real afro, modified afro. I had to pay. It wasn't natural. I had to pay to get it done. I had an afro. I wore platform shoes. I had a goofy beard. And it was a goofy beard. Well, I'm so glad those pictures are burned up. I had a goofy beard. I had an afro. I wore platform shoes even to drive my truck in because I thought I was a disco duck or something. I wore bell bottoms. 
I wore leisure suits. I got high. I was stupid. I was dumb. And Christians were afraid of me. I still don't know why. But anyway, so God began to send this truck driver friend of mine across my path. We drove 18 wheelers and all of a sudden be on the CB radio. And I was a stupid truck driver. All truck drivers are stupid. I was stupid. I was saying nasty, mean things on the radio to people. And all of a sudden I hear this voice. Bertie, is that you? And I go quiet. I go, yeah, Jerry, is that you? He said, yeah. He said, where are you at? He said, well, hey, I'm close to such and such. So we'd stop and we'd eat. This is 1979. <laughs> so we'd be eating. I wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. We were both dumb and stupid sinners. But his wife had gotten saved. And his wife went to a Pentecostal church. And his father-in-law went to the Pentecostal church. And his mother-in-law went to the Pentecostal church. So all he heard at his house day and night was these people getting together and praying. Talking about Jesus. Tell about the miracles that happened in the church and stuff like that. And he wasn't saved yet, but this got on him. So we sit there talking. He'd say, my wife's going to this church now. Well, I was being hungry for God anyway. I started to seek him, trying to find out what's going on in my life. And so, man, that was like pouring water on a man that was dying of thirst. He started preaching what's going on in that church. He didn't believe it wasn't for him. He preached it to me, though. And so he told me, my father-in-law had such and such, and my father-in-law got healed. And said, you know what? He really is healed. And then he told me about his wife. His wife had surgery for things. He said, my wife's healed. He said, the doctors didn't help. My wife's healed. And I'm going, wow, wow, really? And I'm a sinner. And so... At the first opportunity, I got a hold of his wife. I said, where's that church? <laughs> I got to that church and I got saved because a sinner told me what God was doing to his wife's family. I got saved. The spirit of revival and evangelism was going across America at that time. I was a sinner. And you know what you can call that? I jumped into the boat. I was a fish that jumped into the boat. They didn't have to reel out for me. I jumped in myself. We're at that point in time where there's sinners out there. And if you don't preach to them, God will send a sinner to talk to them. I know one time in the Bible, God sent a donkey to talk to a wayward preacher. Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will praise. So I know if God could use rocks to praise him, if donkeys can talk to people, if a big fish can swallow a prophet because he's a disobedience, if God could use a sinner to get a preacher saved... That God could use you. This is the time we live in. This is the time you talk. This is the time you testify. This is the time you share. They're hungry out there. They're hungry out there right now. Jesus said, don't say, I'm too busy with my hobbies. Don't say, I got a new car and I got to get to drive my car around. Don't say, hey, I'm in love. I just got married. Take your love to church with you. You and your love serve God together. You and your love go preach together. You and your love go to the hospitals together. You and your love go to the nursing homes together. You and your love go out on the street and hand out tracts together. Work together for Jesus. Why is that? Jesus said, 
go out to the highways, hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. As though Jesus is ready for you and me to catch the spirit of evangelism revival and bring people to church. Will somebody shout or clap or act like you got something? Amen. Act like you're revived. We're going to have Bring a Friend Sunday here on March the 5th. March the 5th, we're going to have Bring a Friend Sunday. And so every Sunday's Bring a Friend Sunday, but specifically on that day, our church is going to be focused to fill this place up with people that need God. People that need the anointing in their lives. People need more of God. And so I want you to look at this now in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And by all means, bring the sick, bring the addicted, bring the poor, bring people that are like you used to be, unless you're one of them who's always so good you didn't really need Jesus, but I, I wasn't that good. Amen. Bring people that really need a Savior. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. This is a powerful verse. This is God talking to this church and talking today. This is God talking to this church and talking today. By faith, how many here know we're supposed to serve God by faith? By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. How many here believe the things we're seeing in the Bible, things the Holy Spirit is saying to us personally, that God's warning us of things coming? How many believe that? Amen. Noah said, it says he was warned of God of things not seen as yet. He moved with fear. He prepared an ark. He moved with fear. And not the fear like you're afraid of a rattlesnake or you're afraid of a tornado or an earthquake. But reverence and fear of God just, to me, it's a fear and trembling kind of thing serving God because how awesome he is. And his presence, his power, things going on just overwhelmed me. He moved with fear and he prepared an ark. To the saving of his house. He was serving God, obeying God, and he was doing it for the whole world, but the world that time rejected it, and so his own family got on. And so he won nobody to the Lord but his own family. And if you win nobody to the Lord but your own family, praise God, that's a blessing. If nobody follows you to heaven except your family, would you rather see your family in heaven than hell? Amen. He said, he prepared an ark to the Savior of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And so just as Noah was warned by God and knew how serious God was about the condition of the human race, we've been warned by God and we must look at our church building and property as an ark. We've got to look at what God's blessed us with here as an ark. I looked at some definitions of ark the other day. And an ark, one of the definitions is a large work boat. How many know that on Noah's ark there was a lot of work going on? All those animals on there, I'd be just taking care of a couple of elephants and all they put out would be work. But all those other animals, it was a work boat. And so an ark is a large work boat. It's a place of safety. It's a refuge. A place of retreat. A place of rest. Doesn't that sound like a church? 
You come to church, isn't it a nice thing when you're out there getting, getting dumped on all week long by the world? You can retreat into your church, be refreshed, get rest, work for God. All those things in a church. And you know, when you have people out there in your realm of influence that are messed up, don't you know when you bring them in, it's a place they can be restored, they can be blessed, their lives can be changed? That's what God says a church is like. It's like an ark. It's a place of safety. It's a place of refuge. It's a safe place. You know, in a real Christian church, with Christians that love Jesus and love people, people come in that are all messed up and deceived in life. You can help them with the love of God, pointing them to the truth and loving them and not condemning them. That's what God wants to take place at this time we're living in. Jesus said, compelled to come in that my house will be full. And so Jesus wants us to prepare an ark for the people of our region. And there's a spiritual law called sowing and reaping. Called sowing and reaping. And there's many verses, Old Testament, New Testament, that teach it. And God's word, the high desert word center, is take care of God's house. He'll take care of your house. Amen. How many know some big lumber piles out there in front? We got, we got a lot getting ready to happen to this church starting this week. We've been put off for a month because of rain. But we're going to look at some things on the screen up there. And we're going to tell you what we're doing and what your part and our part is. You see that up, that up there? And got it back there on the side of the bookstore wall too. We're going to keep some updates going on what we're doing. But, you know, what you have to think about about spiritual laws is this. What you sow is what you reap. If you need a new roof on your house, the best thing you can do is help God get a new roof on His house. If you need a new heating cooling system in your house, the best thing you can do is help God get heating cooling in His house. If you need remodeling in your house, the best thing you do is help God remodel His house. God said, I want to fill my house with glory. He said, I want to restore my house. Get my house filled with glory. If you need a new driveway, you need new landscaping. Help God replace his parking lot of his house. Help him do these things. What you sow is what you reap. And I want to look at some numbers on the screen there. Matter of fact, Robert, you guys go ahead and do your part. Yeah, go ahead and bring that up here. Isn't this cool? I think this is awesome. Guys, go ahead and bring those cards up here. Here, let them see victory. Make sure they see victory. Spin it around once. Do you see Victory Hall right here? That's the whole building over here. It's that. You see our parking lot? This one looks nice, but ours doesn't look too nice right now. But ours is going to change. Even got a little rooftop units on top. See them, wouldn't it? Even got a little cross. <laughs> Look at our doors. <laughs> Did you see our little side doors? <laughs> that is cool. I like that. I really like that. The, let's give a hand to the person that prepared that for us. <laughs> 
And so I want to give you some numbers They're on the screen up there, but I want you to look really, really, really closely. Like I said, you can look at the poster back there, too. We're going to keep that where we can see it. But the total money needed for our administration uh, building, which is the one over there project, was $4,000. And then this phase two over here, which is going to be on this building here, we're getting a brand new roof put on. They're starting that this week. Going to tear that one all the way off. Going to put a brand new roof on. We have six great big rooftop units up there. They're going to take those off the building. Got big crane stuff coming out. Taking those off. Going to rebuild some of them. They're going to put them back up there. And they're going to remodel the whole ceiling thing where we've had rain damage around here. We have two great big rooms upstairs for children's church and nursery. Going to be taking those ceilings off, remodeling those and doing things up there. And all the total cost for over there and over here is only $59,170. That's nothing to God, is it? But the good news is we've already paid for it, have cash in hand for $48,461.36. That much is already taken care of. And so by March the 31st, two months from now, all we need is another $6,700. We had almost $1,000 come in this week that I'm already talking about it. Between last Sunday and Wednesday night, I think we had like $700, $800, something like that came in just, just in, I mentioned, all I did mention that, I mentioned this last Sunday, and that much came in already. Isn't that awesome? And so that's what came in. And so then also, you notice the top of there, uh, for, for phase three above, phase two is taking care of this building here. Phase three then, after we get this remodeling done, is putting new carpet in here. I don't know about you, I don't like to magnify ugly that I don't like, but I haven't liked this carpet for years. But it takes $43,000 to replace this carpet. This carpet, all the hallway carpet, all the stairway carpet, all the upstairs carpet, all those rooms up there, and then we're getting brand new nice tile put in the lobby area out there. Amen. $43,000. And so that will be phase three. This is phase two. Need that little over $6,000 for phase two, which that will probably get taken care of today. And then once we get that done, then we're going to continue receiving money. They'll go towards that $43,000. We'll get the $43,000 knocked out. And we'll have the carpet in here. And then once we do that, then we'll shift to phase four, which will be parking lot. But I don't want to put too much on us at one time, looking at too much at one time. Because I know how everyday Christians' minds work. They go tilt, tilt, tilt. But how many know the old say about how you eat an elephant? You look at the elephant, you say, that's big. Well, you don't start with big. You start with a bite. And you eat an elephant one bite at a time till you got it done. So our project is one Step at a time till we get it done. Amen. Praise God that we've already got $55,670 towards the project. A lot of it's paid, and the rest is not paid. We have that money sitting in a savings account to use. We thought we were going to be able to pay for the whole project. Thought even doing some building things we had to do, but we had to revamp some of what we're doing to do what we're doing, so now we have to use it for this part where we are. But isn't that awesome that God's already, through this church, provided the funds to do that much? 
I'll tell you what, it makes me breathe. I looked at an elephant. I said, elephant, you're like a little, little stuffed pig or something. You're not a big elephant. You're a little pig. Hey, man, we've already, we already eat you. And so anyway, what I want to do is, guys, go ahead and hand out these pledge cards. And Mrs. Pastor, bring ours up here. Give one to everyone or every, every family. Every family. But if in your family you have teenagers or other people that work and they're not part of the main income of the family, for husbands and wives, take one for you. But if you got young people in your family at work, they want to give to the project, hook up. I'm going to tell you how to do this, how easy it is. How many love your church? Yeah. I love my church. How many believe that this church is like an ark? This is a shelter. This is a place of safety. This is a place, and I believe, I really believe with all my heart, what I just looked at the prophet Haggai when he said, I'm going to fill this house with glory. I believe God is going to fill this house with glory to minister to people coming in, to get people ministered to. God's going to fill this house. And anybody that was here last September, September the 2nd, on a Friday night of last year when Dr. Barclay was here, Pull that prophecy up again, what God said. God said, I'm going to send your family and friends to this church in this season. And I'm going to send people to this area. And he said, they're going to say, this was here all along. I didn't even know it. Amazing thing. A couple weeks ago, had a family visit here. And they told me, they had to go out of town in another state for some kind of business they're on. They told me, we've lived in this area for two years, said we never knew this place was here. Said, and her words were, the mom's words were this, this place was here all the time and I never even knew it. That's what Dr. Barclay said people are going to be saying. Well, this place is going to get filled up with God's glory, not just so we have glory, but so people walk into the glory, they're delivered. They're saved. They're healed. They're restored. They're empowered. They're filled. Gifts of the Holy Ghost working. Miracles happening. You leave it here so full of the power of God that you pray for people on your jobs. They fall out. How could that happen on a job? Well, it reminds me of a testimony. Back in about 1981, I had a guy I worked with that cussed me out. As a matter of fact, he wasn't just a little old runt guy. This guy was a bouncer at a bar that carried a gun and hurt people. And I worked with him every day. When I got born again, he stuck his finger in my chest, looked me in the eye, called me some words that I can't say, wouldn't say to me, but wasn't in church. It said, don't you ever come preaching to me. He said, don't you even talk to me, stay away from me. But I had so much testimony and power of God working in my life that this man had a live-in girlfriend that had a very serious illness. And one day, about a year, year and a half later, he come up to me and said, will you come down to my business and bless, bless my business? And this guy was a sinner. And he had a trucking job on the side. He had about a half a dozen tractor trailers. Had mechanics, people working for him, stuff like that. And his live-in girlfriend was the secretary of the business. He wanted me to come down and just pray a blessing over his business. This guy was still a sinner, but he saw God working in me. I got down to that diesel shop. I walked in there, and his girlfriend came out. And they were both in like their probably late 40s, early 50s. 
And she said, I've been sick since I was a little girl and it's getting worse, whatever it was, something didn't kill her, but it was sadly getting worse all the time of her life. And will you pray for me? And so we're in the middle of the shop. There's two or three or four diesel tractors in there hooked up to the smoke things, blowing smoke out the building so people wouldn't die. I said, I'll pray for you. I said, Jesus said, lay hands on sick people. I said, can I touch you? She said, yeah. We're in the middle of the shop. There's people everywhere. And I went to touch her. I didn't really get to touch her. She started falling out. And so a couple of mechanics dropped their wrenches. They got behind her like ushers. True story. Absolutely true. And so I went like that. And the office back there, and kept going like that, tried to catch her. She kept backing like that. And she got in there and fell over in the office chair. And then, a few days later, in the break room, at the truck dock, full of sinners, this guy walked in and said, Bernie prayed for Dolores as she got healed. <laughs> A sinner told the other sinners that. Said, Bernie prayed for Dolores as she got healed. And think about it, that guy got born again a few years later, and I watched him on Facebook. I went to his funeral a couple of years ago. He died. He's like in his 80s by now, but I got to go out there and witness that whole family again. And I got out there two years ago and got to preach at the funeral. Amen. I wasn't a preacher then. I was a saved truck driver that loved Jesus. My reputation went before me and people trusted what I had. And so I'm telling you right now, I expect to hear testimonies from many of you. You know, when you're in the Walmart store and you're witnessing to them, just kind of, you know, if you can't catch them when they go down, Jesus will. This is that times. Restoration. Power, authority, victory. And so anyway. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.